Okay, um, well, I'm going to begin with apologies for a little bit late in terms of um, news. And that is um, last week's um, opinion poll. I can't remember whose opinion poll it was, but the one that um, put the Labour Party on 40% and the one that put the Tories on 34%. Uh, percent. Well, one would guess um, that that at least is a snapshot uh, that would last into this week, not least given um, HS2 and um, the cancelling can of the um, uh, lines to Bradford and, uh, and Leeds and uh, all sorts of newspapers writing about uh, betrayal of the North and um, uh, the government clearly uh, going back on not just its word, uh, but its uh, repeated word. Now, that doesn't commit me to um, HS2, um, but it is worthwhile noting that um, both the Labour Party uh, and uh, the Tory party in 2019 were committed uh, to that project. Um, I can't remember when it was finally meant to be completed. 2040 uh, comes to my mind. Uh, either way, uh, that's now been um, scrubbed. So we, we get HS2 going up uh, to Birmingham uh, that's now being uh, built. They're not going to cancel that because apparently if they cancel that, it would cost them more to cancel it uh, than it would be actually to carry on and build it. Either way, my main point is uh, that what we've seen is a shift in the opinion polls. Um, well, given um, Owen Patterson, Slees, the U-turn, and on top of that, uh, HS2, um, that shouldn't surprise us. Uh, and the point I would make is an old adage, and I'm not claiming any originality, it's almost Yawnsville in terms of unoriginality, and that is governments lose elections, uh, oppositions don't win them. So in other words, um, it's not because uh, Keir Starmer has uh, repackaged himself and has got such um, uh, an exciting programme uh, that opinion has shifted. Uh, it's the opposite. It's that the uh, government under Boris Johnson has lost ground, and uh, at least um, in terms of the majority of people who have shifted, a majority of, uh, of that's gone uh, to the Labour Party. There's a little bit, depending on what poll you read, a little bit of a bounce uh, for the Green Party, uh, but in the main, uh, it's the Labour Party uh, that has uh, benefited um, from um, government incompetence, government chumocracy, uh, government um, going back on its um, uh, manifesto pledges uh, and um, all the rest of it. Um, that's also raised um, you know, questions in the media, because that's the job of the media, isn't it, to sell you newspapers, to get very excited about any news that they can possibly think of. A lot of speculation about has the shine come off 
uh, Boris Johnson. I think it's far too early to say. Um, you know, he's, he's got a lot of time still. Um, and the fact of the matter is that if he went to a betting office, as opposed to look at the polls, um, then the odds are on still for a Tory victory. But my main point here, the main point I really wanted to make, and the reason why I refer uh, to last week's uh, opinion polls, is really just to underline at least my argument um, that we shouldn't write off uh, Keir Starmer, that he's not an automatic loser, let alone the idea, I, I think totally dumb idea, uh, that uh, Keir Starmer actually isn't interested uh, in winning uh, the next election. All he's interested in is doing the left. Well, it's the other way around. You know, he's doing the left, not because the left at the present time represents any sort of threat uh, to his leadership, but precisely he's doing the left uh, because this, but it proves his credentials as being fit for government. And I just you know, flag up to comrades. Um, I haven't seen it reported particularly widely, um, the, the, the fact that the Green Party, I, I've said this before on these forums, but the Green Party has adopted the IHRA, so-called definition uh, of anti-Semitism. That's something it did at its um, uh, recent conference. And that isn't about uh, um, uh, any notion uh, that society is uh, overrun with anti-Semites or the Green Party is overrun uh, by anti-Semites. What that is, it's a message. Uh, and it's a message saying that the Green Party can be trusted in government. The Green Party can be trusted uh, with the Atlantic Alliance and the Green Party can be trusted uh, when it comes to NATO and NATO wars. And all one needs to do is look back uh, to Oscar Fischer and the Green Party in Germany and the role that he played uh, in bringing uh, the Green Party round uh, to Germany, joining wars of intervention in the Balkans uh, and then uh, Afghanistan. So this is a symbolic uh, gesture but it's an important uh, gesture. And so in terms of what's going on in the Labour Party, uh, we need to understand it in that uh, uh, context. Okay, so in terms of the left, basically saying that Keir Starmer's rubbish, Keir Starmer is useless. To me, this is a real giveaway about the mentality of much uh, of uh, the Labour left, because what the Labour left uh, is committed to is the next Labour government. And we all know the phrase, any Labour government is better uh, than any uh, Tory uh, uh, government. And so, uh, you know, in terms of where Labour Party was in the opinion polls, uh, this was basically meant to say that Keir Starmer is doing a bad job. Uh, and ought to be replaced. And there was all sorts of nonsense, wasn't there, uh, before the Hartlepool uh, by-election about various people uh, positioning themselves to uh, make a leadership um, challenge. I always you know, wrote that sort of stuff off. Uh, in my view, if there's jockeying going on, it's precisely jockeying going on in relationship to if 
Keir Starmer doesn't lead uh, the Labour Party either to a victory or to a dramatic um, improvement in the number of seats in the next uh, general election. So I don't, I don't see any immediate uh, challenge to uh, Keir Starmer and uh, never have uh, uh, seen an immediate challenge uh, to him. And the precise problem that the Labour left has got is as Labour's polls have, uh, uh, pollings ha have improved and it's now at 40%, uh, and I would expect that if anything uh, to actually um, increase rather than decrease, um, what conclusion do we draw? That he's doing a jolly good job, um, that um, he's, he's the leader for us. Um, well, I don't draw uh, uh, that uh, conclusion. Uh, quite the opposite for us. What we're talking about is building the working class uh, movement up so that the working class uh, can come to power. And uh, that doesn't rely and cannot rely on the illusion uh, that one Labour government goes to the left, to the left, to the left, till finally uh, you get to socialism. That's the delusion of the old official Communist Party programme, the British Road to Socialism. In our view, the crucial question um, isn't a Labour government. The crucial question is building a mass Communist Party. And a mass Communist Party might well operate in uh, the Labour Party, might well not. Uh, that is something that history uh, will uh, uh, decide. At the moment, though, uh, the Labour Party remains, to use a phrase, a site for struggle in the same way that the co-op uh, does and uh, the trade unions uh, uh, do. To give up um, on it um, now, uh, in my view, would be uh, a profound uh, mistake. Uh, and that really brings me um, to the idea that's going around some, amongst some sections, um, I think a minority, very much a minority um, on the left of the Labour Party. And that's the idea that the fight is over, the left has been uh, defeated, and therefore what needs to be done um, is to go out there and reorganise uh, the 150,000 people uh, that since Keir Starmer uh, has taken over the leadership of the Labour Party, um, have, have left. Um, of course, we want to organise millions uh, of people um, um, in the future. But to me, the idea uh, that you can somehow capture um, into an organisation 150,000 uh, uh, people um, is delusional um, because these people have gone 150,000 different directions. They, they, they become atomized, they are dispersed, and they are not going to be captured uh, by any small uh, group of socialists trying to chase them, um, let alone try to chase them on the basis of Corbynism uh, without Corbyn. Uh, the idea that the 2019 or the 2017 manifesto represent some sort of bedrock of principle that you can build upon, um, uh, I think is profoundly mistaken, uh, that what we had both in 2017 and 2019 weren't socialist uh, manifestos. They were manifestos basically for a nicer, fairer, kinder capitalism. Um, 
whether that's possible or not, um, I'm not going to answer here. I'll simply say, well, it might be, uh, but it won't be uh, through electing a Jeremy Corbyn uh, a government. It, it, it's dependent on the strength and the combativity um, of uh, the working class. OK, so uh, what we have in terms of the witch hunt, it, it, it continues. Uh, the most notable example um, uh, of uh, the witch hunt over the recent period, of course, has been the expulsion of Graham Bash, uh, the editor of uh, Labour uh, Briefing. I think someone who's had a membership of the Labour Party of over 50 years. Uh, why has he been uh, expelled? I think the reason is that he actually signed a petition of um, Labour against the witch hunt. I don't know exactly when, uh, but the crucial question to understand is he signed it uh, before um, Labour against the witch hunt had become one of the honourable um, organisations to be prescribed uh, by Keir Starmer's uh, leadership. Uh, that uh, to be a member of uh, Labour against the witch hunt, one presumes after uh, that prescription um, is an expulsion, um, 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 how should you put it, uh, an auto expulsion. Um, but to sign a petition before it's been prescribed, uh, this is quite uh, surreal, but that's where the witch hunt is uh, at the present time. So it's being applied retro, um, not currently, not as a warning uh, about your future actions, but what you did in the past. Now, of course, we all know uh, that this is directed uh, against the left, but I mean, witch hunts have a crazy logic and the logic of it would be uh, that those, for example, supporting Palestinian rights, um, i.e. the idea uh, uh, of a one-state solution, which I personally uh, don't support, does that then become a crime um, in terms of the Labour Party if you subscribe to that, either now or in the past? I'd be interested uh, um, uh, if it did, um, but that's the logic um, um, of a witch hunt that uh, uh, it goes on and on and on. Um, it, know, it knows no boundaries. So that's where we're at uh, at the moment. And all I would say is the idea of um, you know, stopping uh, fighting um, in the Labour Party sort of assumes uh, that somehow uh, Graham Bash is the last uh, victim um, of uh, the witch hunt. I, I think that's uh, not the case. Uh, I think uh, that the witch hunt, precisely because it has a logic, has a logic to find more and more uh, victims, uh, to intimidate more and more people, and to organise people so that they actually become complicit uh, um, in, in that uh, uh, witch hunt. So there is an idea, uh, for example, not only of forming um, another um, you know, some sort of socialist movement um, on the basis of the 2019 uh, Corbyn manifesto without Corbyn, which I think, as I said, is um, a hopeless political project. But there's also the idea um, that um, Labour in, ex in Exile Network 
and uh, labor against the witch hunt basically should close down and uh, should devote themselves uh, to this uh, socialist uh, movement. Well, personally, uh, I'm not in favor of liquidating uh, labor against the witch hunt. Quite the opposite. I'm in favor of using it um, as uh, a vehicle to fight back, to oppose uh, the witch hunt. We can do it if we've been expelled. Uh, we can do it as Labour Party uh, uh, members. But what we shouldn't do um, is let that flag uh, down. I think that the fact that it's been prescribed, uh, I think, is a compliment to it. It's a compliment um, about its brave refusal uh, to bow down uh, before this uh, big lie uh, that's being pushed uh, by the Labour Party, by the Tory Party, by the establishment um, um, in, in general. Okay. Um, right. Okay. Okay, I wanted now uh, to turn to COVID-19. It's a little while since I've spoken on that uh, question. Um, but obviously what we've got is a big surge in Europe and at least the possibility um, of that coming over and uh, hitting uh, Britain. Um, now, it's true um, that the uh, vaccine uh, programme has been successful in Britain. And uh, from my understanding of it, so is the booster a program been a success. Of course, it's ongoing. It's still, um, um, you know, involving people who are younger and younger uh, with each week, with each month that goes by. And the good news, as I understand it, is that the booster jab actually gives you uh, greater protection than your first two injections. So, you know, whereas I'm just throwing these are made up statistics, so forgive me. Whereas two AstraZeneca jabs maybe gave you 80% protect, protection, two AstraZenecas plus whatever the booster jab is puts you up um, into 90% uh, plus, which is good news. Now, that doesn't mean um, that it's right to say masks are no longer necessary. Apparently, they do. Uh, provide you, but crucially other people, with a degree of protection, or you simply forget the question of social distancing and you go back to quote unquote normal and you don't bother with ventilation. Now, all of those measures are, are necessary. All you can say, though, is where the vaccination program hasn't been uh, so widespread, where it's been um, um, less uh, successful, we see the results. Now, this isn't a universal picture, but it gives you an idea of what Britain could be like uh, if the vaccination programme hadn't been as successful uh, as it is. And obviously what I'm thinking of mainly is Austria, where I think if my, my memory serves me right, something like two thirds of the population have been vaccinated but that includes people who've only had one uh, uh, vaccination, that the level of uh, vaccination is much lower. Hence, we have, if you look at the um, uh, statistics, if you look at the, the graphs, we have Austria shooting up 
uh, in terms of the number of daily infections. And inevitably, uh, that has its impact on the health service in terms of hospital beds and in terms of um, um, intensive care um, units. And therefore, the danger, um, especially as we approach winter, you know, with flu and colds and uh, all the rest of it, and us old people uh, going down with these things, we have the danger of health services being overwhelmed um, and basically uh, grinding uh, to a halt. Um, so hence we have um, in Austria um, another lockdown, um, and we have, and I'll discuss this, um, the question, uh, I think it's being imposed from February onwards of compulsory uh, vaccination. Now, from my understanding of history, uh, compulsive, uh, compulsory vaccination is a pretty uh, dubious uh, proposition. It precisely stokes up irrational uh, protests. We've seen them plenty already in Britain and on the continent uh, of Europe, that somehow this is part of some giant conspiracy. Apparently, there's no such thing as COVID, or if there is, it's equivalent to the flu, or it's a jolly bad idea uh, for children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or this is about imposing a dictatorship. And I don't take those um, warnings with just a pinch of salt. We do have uh, governments that want to exert social control. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I do think that the working class needs its own program. Uh, we do need our own approach. And in my view, at least, I, I think education persuasion uh, is the best approach, along with restrictions when it comes to access to certain uh, venues, for example. I, I wouldn't be against that. So, for example, uh, if I was boarding an aircraft uh, today, I would very much expect and would be shocked uh, if they didn't ask me, have you been vaccinated against covid uh, 19 and can you please show proof um, well I, I you know uh, i've been abroad enough uh, to know that an awful lot of countries that i visited do require compulsory uh, vaccinations for a whole number of different diseases and i've never viewed that as um, imminent dictatorship um, or you know a scare about nothing i've always taken those uh, warnings seriously and quite frankly haven't batted an eye uh, when I go along to get my <laughs> three, four, five uh, uh, different jabs. Now, just one little point I just wanted to add, um, having mentioned Europe and Britain, um, is the fact, and it, you know, it, it, you know, it needs explanation, and I'm not saying I'm in a position necessarily to give it, how uh, Africa, um, for example, compared with Europe, uh, given its much, much more uh, primitive level of um, health um, provision um, uh, and um, social services, uh, how comes it isn't experiencing a massive spike uh, when it comes uh, to COVID? Well, there's all sorts of explanations that I've read, and that includes uh, dispersed living, also a very young population uh, compared uh, with Europe. Some people have even talked about genetics. I'm not, not quite convinced uh, on, on that one. Either way, we do know 
And uh, this is precisely the point uh, that uh, in terms of going into hospital, in terms of going into intensive care, in general, uh, this is something that would affect older people, people in their 50s, 60s, 70s and older. These people are much more vulnerable uh, to getting COVID-19 in a severe life-threatening way. Just one other point um, on that is there is this um, now child of uh, Delta. I don't know if anyone else has read about it, but this is meant to be where uh, COVID-19 is going. And that is that the virus evolves uh, to become more infectious, um, but it's less severe. Indeed, child of COVID, uh, Delta uh, variety, I think that's the Indian, that's what used to be called the Indian uh, uh, variant, um, is meant to be less hazardous uh, to your health. So it, it is nearer uh, to flu uh, than it is uh, to the old uh, uh, variants of uh, COVID-19. Uh, also just wanted to touch on the demonstrations and the protests um, in Europe. Uh, two people were shot in uh, the Netherlands. Uh, there's been demonstrations, I think, globally uh, over the weekend. Who are these people who are, are demonstrating? Well, one strand, at least amongst them, uh, is the far right. And purportedly, they stand for individual liberty, um, that we should have the right not to be uh, vaccinated. We should have the right not to social distance. We should have the right to go anywhere uh, we choose. I, I do find that quite strange in that sense, because if you actually look at the social program of these parties, uh, they actually tend to be quite authoritarian, if not outright uh, uh, dictatorial. Either way, they're riding on, on this particular wave. And I think this wave does reflect a lack of trust in government, uh, which is well-founded uh, given uh, governments uh, in uh, the capitalist world. Don't believe them uh, is a healthy instinct. On the other hand, uh, there is such a thing as gullibility. Uh, and that is, as I've already suggested, uh, is the idea that COVID-19 is some sort of um, giant plot by Bill Gates or, or it doesn't exist. Um, and uh, I think nonsense along uh, those along those lines. OK, so at the end of the day, I do think that these demonstrations are basically standing for the right to infect others. And I don't think that is a right to me. It's equivalent of saying I should have the right to uh, go up the motorway on the wrong side of the um, <laughs> on the wrong side um, um, of the of the highway. Uh, I don't think I've got that right. I think I would be arrested if I if I survived and um, charged with putting um, lives in danger. Um, okay. Let's move on. Um, we apparently have a uh, migrant crisis in Britain. And uh, if you took the figures uh, for small boats coming over from France, um, that would indeed be the case. So what we have this year 
is 23,000 people have made the crossing um, from France over the English Channel uh, and landed in um, southern um, England. Uh, and that represents a threefold um, increase uh, on previous years. That, they're the figures I've got any, anyway. Now, I've also read, which is um, interesting, um, that uh, one of the reasons why there's been such a sharp um, increase uh, in the numbers using small boats uh, is because the government has been successful in clamping down on people smuggling themselves on ferries. And of course, that includes um, smuggling yourself uh, in the back um, of lorries uh, that they now have, you know, heat uh, sensitive equipment and they can locate uh, people within a lorry. Um, I presume they have sniffer dogs and uh, uh, other such uh, methods. Well, they've been successful. And as a result of that, uh, if you went to Calais um, and you were in a, a camp, um, what they'll be advising you is, oh, no, no, don't, don't try to get yourself um, um, on a ferry and, and in the back of a lorry. That doesn't work. Uh, and much, much fewer, one presumes, lorry drivers are willing uh, to take the risk of being caught. And so what people are doing um, is um, going uh, for the small boat option, which ain't cheap, just like with smuggling yourself in the back of a lorry. Uh, this doesn't come for nothing. Um, there are these evil people called people smugglers, and uh, I don't know what the charge is, uh, but we're not talking cheap. And therefore, the idea that some people have that uh, migrants who are coming to Britain um, are the poor and the desperate, um, I think is a bit of a misnomer. Um, if you look in general, uh, when it comes to um, refugees, migrants, um, if you're fleeing a war or famine and you're poor, um, you'll either go to the nearest town or the nearest big city, or if it's a political conflict, uh, you'll seek refuge uh, in the next country because you walk there. If you're better off, on the other hand, if your family is better off, uh, then you can arrange it uh, that you can fly uh, or you can be uh, taken over land. Um, and the figures that I've read uh, uh, for such an operation is of the order of 20,000 quid a head. And either you pay that or your family pays that. And the idea would be you come to Britain, uh, you get your um, refugee status. Either way, you start to work and you start to earn money and then you pay uh, that loan back. And if you don't pay that loan back, either they come and get you or they come and get your, your family. So these aren't necessarily uh, the most desperate uh, of people. On the other hand, we also have not only uh, a refugee crisis on the English Channel, uh, this is Pretty Patel, Boris Johnson, but also the Labour Party uh, making that claim. But of course, we also had, I think it is a bit now in the past, but have just had a refugee crisis on the Belarus-Polish border. And if we look at who's involved both in both instances, where do people uh, come from? Well, my list is not in any particular order, but it's Iraq. 
it's Kurdistan, it's Afghanistan, it's Syria. And of course, what we have when it comes to Belarus and uh, Poland is that it's Lukashenko, uh, that's the Mr. Evil. Um, he's using uh, refugees as a political pawn. And I would readily accept that that's, yes, what he's doing. Uh, that there you are, here's a regime that's been under siege, that um, has had sanctions imposed upon it. And in the same way that Erdogan in um, uh, Turkey uh, used the question of refugees and uh, um, directing them uh, towards Greece in order to get concessions, uh, we see uh, the Minsk government uh, doing the same thing. But I also just would say this, that what we haven't seen over Kurdistan, Iraq, Syria, or Afghanistan are Belarus fighter aircraft uh, bombing the shit out of people, uh, let alone Belarus um, soldiers um, on the ground imposing uh, regime change. Uh, and it does strike me that while um, you know, the press and uh, the politicians in the West um, you know, want to um, basically address uh, Lushenko up as the Mr. Evil. In reality, what he is, he's an intermediary. Uh, you know, the, the real crime is making Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, and other countries. You can just start listing them off, can't you? Libya, and you can just keep going south in Africa in terms of... Um, you know, IMF <laughs> readjustment programs and all the rest of it, making so many countries in the world deeply unpleasant, if not impossible uh, to live in. That's the result of the imperialist uh, system headed uh, by the United States, along with its sidekick, uh, uh, Britain. That's been the record over the last 30 uh, years. So people are either just desperate to get out or if uh, they've got any hope uh, for their children, uh, it lies abroad. I've got to get my children abroad so they can get an education. So they've got some hope in life. If these countries uh, were stable, if they were prosperous, the vast majority of people, yeah, sure, like to go on holiday and have a look at places, uh, but most people would rather prefer to stay where they were. So all these people going on about uh, migrants flooding uh, Europe, well, they have a, a truth on their, uh, on their side. Yes, migrants are flooding into Europe. You can't get around that, but why uh, are they doing it? And the idea that all you need to do is pass a law um, or send people to Albania uh, and that will stop them. Um, uh, I think um, is a big lie. The reality is that what happens is you simply make people illegal. And the idea that at least some sections of the labor movement have uh, that if you make people illegal, uh, that protects you from competing with them. Um, no, it doesn't. Actually, it makes the competition more intense. Who would you rather employ? You know, a bricklayer, um, that was part of a trade union and that was demanding trade union rates for the job, um, or someone who is rightless, who is afraid of uh, immigration officials uh, coming around and carting them off. 
you know, who's going to command the highest wages, who's going to be prepared to work uh, the longest hours in the most unsafe conditions. You ask the question and you get the answer. So I just wanted to finish with this one. Um, and that is uh, that we shouldn't deny on the left uh, that uh, migration um, does have a downward pull on wages and conditions. Uh, to me, that's a self-evident truth. It's as, as true uh, that if you doubled the supply of oil tomorrow or you doubled the supply of gold, what happens to the monetary worth um, of such a commodity? Well, it's the same with plumbers, same with bricklayers. Um, if you double the supply, one would expect a downward pull um, on wages uh, in that particular sector. And that's exactly why, not as a, a, you know, a silver bullet, but exactly why uh, the labor movement exists, to organize workers collectively, to limit competition between worker and worker. That doesn't solve the question, that's not socialism, but it's a way under capitalism uh, that the working class can give itself strength uh, and to, in that sense, go against the grain of uh, one against one, one against all, uh, the dog-eat-dog um, logic of um, capitalism. So our slogan isn't to oppose uh, immigration. We're against immigration controls, but in the same breath, we want to be saying that organization is necessary and not only trade union organization, but organization at the highest level, i.e. a communist uh, organization, a communist party, crucially, of course, an internationalist party that is part of an international. In other words, you know, that people who have come here uh, as migrants are already part of our party. Um, that should be uh, what we are aiming uh, for. So precisely, our programme isn't just to liberate Britain and the imagination uh, that we can build communism on this little island. Um, in our view, uh, communism is only a practical project if fought for and, how should I put it, decisively um, um, tilts the balance of forces internationally so that we start then precisely to make places like Iraq, Kurdistan, Afghanistan, Syria, uh, places uh, that are worth living in, uh, places where human beings can fully uh, develop themselves rather than just maybe uh, manage uh, to survive. Just a footnote um, on uh, Britain as well. It's pretty obvious why people come to Britain and it's not the generosity, the existence of, I readily accept, it's not the generosity uh, of the social security system, although that isn't irrelevant. It's the fact that English uh, with the British empire and then the British empire being replaced by American hegemony um, is the second language of so many people. It's the global language um, of the modern day. And of course, what happens is, is that uncle gets to Breton, gets a job, well, where are you gonna go? to where uncle is, where uncle can either get you a job or employ you uh, in his um, shop or enterprise or whatever it happens to be. Um, and just uh, uh, one other little fact that I think is useful 
in terms of the government's own figures, as opposed to the rhetoric, if you take those people that are coming in small boats, uh, the Home Office's own figures is that two thirds of them are genuine. And what they mean by genuine is they aren't economic uh, migrants. Now, personally, uh, I don't make that distinction. Um, to me, human being is a human being. Uh, I don't take it that one human being is genuine and the other one's bogus. Uh, but according to the rhetoric of Pretty Patel, uh, these are meant to be um, not genuine um, asylum seekers. They're not genuine uh, people that should be allowed to stay. These are people that she wants to ship off uh, to Albania or somewhere um, of that nature as a warning uh, for people not to come because, because what you'd be doing is not going from hell to somewhere uh, that's tolerable, you'll be going from hell uh, to somewhere that's even worse uh, than hell, which would be a detention centre in Albania. Um, lastly, um, the United States, we have the news that uh, President Joe Biden has got his, let me get it right, Build Back Better uh, infrastructure programme through uh, the House of uh, Representatives. Let's note this, that initially uh, what the so-called progressive wing um, of the Democrats were arguing for um, is a package that was going to be worth $6 trillion. I don't know over what time span, but worth $6 billion. Well, what he actually got through uh, was $1.75 trillion. Now that sounds like an awful lot uh, but once you actually start to look at America's crumbling uh, infrastructure, you know, its bridges, its airports, its highways, its railway system, it actually isn't a huge uh, amount uh, in reality. And of course, the probability is that in order to get it through the Senate of where there's a 50-50 split uh, between the Democrats and the Republicans, in order to get it through, um, the possibility is uh, that it will be further uh, watered down. And just note this one, that in the House of Representatives, there was one uh, Democrat um, that didn't vote for it. And let me get his name right, Jared uh, Golden. And uh, my understanding is uh, that he voted against the package because of the generosity of the package when it came to tax 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 cuts uh, for the rich. So again, you can read all sorts of um, uh, commentary about how uh, this is an attack on corporate uh, America. Uh, to me, uh, I don't think it's any such thing. Uh, if it does benefit uh, the working class, it will be indirectly benefit, benefiting it, not directly. So this isn't about... Um, you know, um, giving America um, a European or British style national health service. Uh, we're not dealing with that. We are dealing with the working class benefiting on the basis that there'll be more jobs in construction, uh, more jobs in industry, more pressure uh, to increase uh, wages and therefore uh, the working class benefits uh, that way. Um, so that's actually uh, what he's got 
through. Now, what, how that helps him vis-a-vis um, -vis the um, oncoming next year, 2022 midterm elections um, is another matter. Um, all we need uh, to say is at the moment, things are looking very bad uh, for the Democrats. Things are looking good for the Republicans. And of course, if they do well in 2022, that makes uh, Joe Biden's presidency to all intents and purposes when it comes to the domestic agenda, a dead duck. He can't get anything through um, a Congress um, and the Republicans are determined uh, that he ain't gonna get anything through um, uh, Congress. I mean, that in, in terms of the domestic um, um, agenda. And so if they win a big time uh, in 2022, uh, then all um, uh, Biden has available to him is, is foreign uh, policy. And as we've seen the argument in the Weekly Worker, that tends towards um, a bipartisan uh, consensus. And just lastly, of course, uh, then there's the possibility of uh, Donald Trump uh, running in 2024. And at least I want to be uh, one of those that is at least raising the flag uh, that when the left talk about authoritarianism um, and uh, rolling back of democracy, I readily accept that that was what uh, Trump's agenda was. That uh, uh, was something that we saw um, on January the 6th, which wasn't just a demonstration that went wrong, that this was the culmination of a whole series of court cases and attempts to involve the military um, in uh, domestic affairs. And you know what we thought, um, you know, was the case, is being confirmed. You know, in terms of um, uh, hearings in Congress by people who, you know, journalists who are writing uh, their books uh, and all the rest of it. It was an attempted self-coup. That's what uh, Trump uh, was attempting to do, and exactly why you had General Miley uh, telling. Um, other generals and uh, other subordinates not to let it happen. And so I'm simply raising the possibility uh, that if Trump looks like uh, he could win through America's undemocratic um, presidential elections, uh, an indirect election via electors through an electoral college, not one person, one vote, uh, but a state voting uh, system, it's not impossible uh, that either General Marley or his replacement acts in coordination uh, with other parts of the political state and the armed state uh, to prevent what they would call a fascist uh, takeover. So the danger in America, in my view, um, to what passes uh, for democracy uh, in the United States, a flawed uh, democracy doesn't just come uh, from the Trumpite wing um, of the Republicans. Um, I think there's a possibility also of it coming from the Democrat side and from the side of the army, uh, an army that remember since the um, fiasco um, of the Vietnam War has been committed uh, to an equal rights um, agenda, clearly something that goes against the grain of the Trumpite wing 
um, of the Republicans. Anyway, I simply raised that as a warning uh, to those uh, who have the view, anyone but Trump. Uh, the, the question for communists isn't anyone uh, but Trump. The key question always from our point of view isn't choosing the butcher, it's about the strength of the working class. That is the way uh, forward, not looking to choose between one bourgeois government um, or another. And that's not to say, by the way, that all bourgeois governments are equal. The key question, though, is the working class. And I'll finish on that. Thank you, Stan.